Thank you for tuning in to the James Ace Radio Show. This show is strictly intended for entertainment purposes only. Because we will be discussing health and different ways of promoting a healthy lifestyle, it is not intended to treat, cure, nor diagnose any illness. Always check with your physician before taking advice from the show or any guest on the show today. Also, this show is brought to you by the book, Breaking Silence, Living with Sickle Cell Anemia, available now on Amazon. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the James Ace Radio Show. I'm your host, James Ace, coming live and direct. My guest on today's show is Jakai. Jakai is a director, writer, editor, and the producer of the documentary Spilled Milk. Spilled Milk is a film that brings awareness to sickle cell, which has received high praise in the healthcare community and also from universities such as Duke and amongst viewers. It's a powerful, emotionally charged film that's a must-see and has been in many different film festivals across the world. Not only that, Spilled Milk has also won an Audience Choice Award and has been viewed over thousands of times on YouTube. Without further ado, Jakai, welcome to the show. Welcome to the James Ace Show. I'm your host, James Ace. And on today's show, I have a special guest, Jakai, here today. He's a film producer, director, writer, and cast of the film Spilled Milk. We had a chance to meet in Milwaukee for the screening of your film. And during that time, you know, I got a chance to talk to you, got some insight about how you created the movie. So I wanted to share that today with the audience and let them in and, you know, hear how you started, produced the film. So thanks for coming on the show today. Hey man, thanks uh, Thanks for having me. Yes, so like I was saying, you produced a documentary called Spilled Milk. Uh, can yeah. you tell me what that is about for the audience listening? And then what gave you the idea and made you decide to make it? Well, Spilled Milk is a film about one of my best friends by the name of Omar and his experience in living with sickle cell. I had met Omar my freshman year of high school, which is like way back. 91 and we became pretty fast friends and years later he was a groomsman in my wedding and him and I were talking and he wanted to do something that would kind of like have an impact on the world or uh, he he wanted to make a mark and and I remember I pitched to him at the time because he's a really good writer Omar is one of the smartest people I knew like dude you should write a book your story is kind of interesting I don't think a lot of people have insight to what you're dealing with and he was not into the idea at all. Like, he thought I was crazy. It was the dumbest thing he'd ever heard. It's like, okay. Well, and that's kind of where that went. Um, okay. Yeah. And then basically, uh, my wife and I got married and went on our honeymoon. And at the time, I was really burnt out at work. I was a creative director for a um, like kind of management consulting firm out in Los Angeles. And I was really burnt out. And it occurred to me, like, and I was coming back. I remember I was coming back from my... Uh, honeymoon looking at the ceiling like dreading going back to work the next day so I was I was in a pretty bad way in terms of how much that job had kind of beat me up and I realized that I could tell Omar's story and that idea came to me because I had happened to have all these uh, old school VHS tapes that, that we took in high school and him and I could have a lot of fun doing it I was like oh this will just be an opportunity to have some fun with Omar tell a story that gives insight on what it's like to be him. And I, I actually had a pitch that I did Omar. Omar was shopping at a Walmart at the time <laughs> when I called him with a crazy <laughs> idea. And much to my surprise, he kind of went for it. And a lot of people were like, oh man, you did such a nice thing for him. And really, he did a nice thing for me because 
he really allowed me, he really allowed himself to be captured vulnerably for me, who really did not know what the hell he was doing in terms of making a movie. Um, certainly figured it out as I went, or at least a version of it as I went. But he did a huge favor to me to allow me to have that kind of access and, and to take that role in that. Yeah, so that's kind of the story of how it came to be. So did you know anything about Tickle Sale before, or was it just through Omar? Yeah, to be honest, for the longest time, Omar had this thing called Sickle Cell, and I didn't really... Because when he was younger, when we were in high school together, he didn't get sick that often. It was like, all of a sudden, Omar would be gone for like two weeks. Like, hey, where'd Omar go? And then he'd come back. And Omar, at the time, he would say like, oh man, I was on vacation. That's what he called his, his hospital stays, and he was, he was on vacation. So he, did, he wasn't really forthright about what he was doing either, or what he was going through. And then, you know, we got older. I'd say by the time I was like a junior in high school, I really started to understand it a little bit better. But yeah, I didn't do it. I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. Probably not a, a lot of sickle cell uh, yeah. patients out that way at that elevation and, and given the general whiteness of the community. So. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say with the elevation. It would be hard for anyone to go there with sickle cell to travel unless you were born where they're born there. Then right. I guess you would adapt to it. Uh, right. So were you living in the same state? when you decided to produce the film? No, uh, Omar had moved uh, to Atlanta to be with his family a few years back. He'd flown out to Los Angeles for our wedding. And then, you know, he was out in Atlanta. So I thought, oh, it'll be perfect. I'll just, I'll, okay. I'll leave my job. And then, yeah, and so I ended up leaving LA to come to Atlanta with the intention of just staying temporarily. Here's how naive I was. I thought I'd come out, film, hang out with Omar for a couple months, get all the footage I'd need, go back to Los Angeles, edit it, boom, bang, make a movie. And then, you know, what happened in the meanwhile is we ended up moving here because it was less expensive and I wasn't really making any money while working on the movie. And then, you know, five years later, we finally got the film done. So it was, it was a long, long, arduous walk to get that thing done. Okay. Now, did you always have, uh, was film always your theme? Did you always have a background in film or what initially got you into the film? I've always been into storytelling. Like, I was a nerd that would watch every movie with the commentary director, the director and, uh, like, editor commentary on, just because I just loved learning about, like, creative choices and things like that. And up to that point in my career, I was a designer, uh, mostly but designing, like, websites, designing printed materials. Um, and then early on, I wanted to be a cartoonist. Back when newspapers were a thing, um, I wanted to uh, do a daily cartoon strip. So I grew up drawing and things like that, like which was kind of fun in, uh, in Spilled Milk because the little animations, the interstitials in the film or, or stuff that I got to animate for it, which was kind of fun. But I've always been a sucker for a good story, you know? Okay. Uh, so that kind of like, like, honestly, that was a driving motivation. I didn't make the movie with like this idea of the sickle cell advocacy hat or that intention. I just wanted to take a, tell a real story about what it was like to be Omar. And of course, that come with a lot of the sickle cell stuff. Yeah, and the story will capture. So you said it, it took five years for you to create. Uh, what were some of the steps you had to, to go through to, to get it out for the public to see? Well, it, it was, you know, it was a lot of, there was quite a few false starts because the thing I thought I was making wasn't what I, what it ended up being kind of. To be honest, I thought it would be more fun. <laughs> um, yeah. but basically it came with taking just a lot of footage and then trying to piece it all together in something that would actually want, that like somebody would actually want to sit through, you know? Yeah. So there was a lot of that stuff. And then there were certain interviews we had to get 
where we had to like travel to Oakland and uh, out to California. So there was a lot of doctors during the film and we had to work with PR to get access to them. And, you know, because it's not easy to film inside of a hospital. Uh, there's kind of a lot of red tape and stuff you've got to got to jump through. And for the most part, we were able to find a lot of people that were willing to cooperate. And we had to get a, a release from everybody who showed up on the film. So you'll if you watch it, you'll see that there's uh, some scenes where people's faces are blurred out and stuff uh, just because oh, we didn't have releases for them. Yeah. So and some of the film was shot on a cell phone because that's all I happened to have at the time because I wasn't in movie making mode at the you know so it was uh it was kind of a long process with a lot of lessons learned along the way okay and that's one of the things that goes like uh the saying they always say use what you have at times uh to get what you need to get done so you may not have you know a a laptop but you can do it this way you can do it that way so that's very creative of you from that standpoint right so you get the film produced and it's out there what was your reaction to the to the feedback you got from the film because it was very positive well i watching the film i am actually very thankful that that the reaction has been good but it's kind of a two-way street because i'm honestly disappointed that we weren't able to get more traction in mainstream film festivals uh, whenever the movie did play for an audience, like we had the screening there in Milwaukee, which is really cool where I met you. And then we had a couple screenings at like Duke University and we've done some stuff with Emory out here in Atlanta and all that stuff. It's been great to see the film actually having an impact. But I frankly, you know, the movie's out there for free now on YouTube. And certainly when I started making the movie, I didn't envision it just living on YouTube. I really wanted it to find different avenues to find like hopefully a bigger audience. And that, that never quite came to fruition, which I'm disappointed about. Like I knew making it, like I clearly wasn't making a movie about penguins marching. So I didn't have any idea or thoughts that it was going to be like some big money maker. But I did hope that it would be able to find a slightly larger audience than it has. And I'm super thankful for the impact it's had on the audience that's seen it. Like I'm proud of the fact that on YouTube, it's like got the most positive comments of any video I've ever seen on YouTube. So I'll go ahead and take that. <laughs> okay. And, and it's been up for a selection in a film festival? Been- it's been in a couple film festivals. It was actually Milwaukee. That was a film festival. Yeah. Right? It, yeah. And then... Um, yeah, uh, Minority Hill Film Festival. Yep. There it is. Yep. And then um, Bronze Lens Festival here in Atlanta was probably the biggest one we got into, and we won Audience Choice Awards for that, which was really cool. And I'd hope that that would kind of help give us momentum to kind of get a broader reach, and it, it just never quite came to fruition. So the film festivals it's gotten into, it's always been received really well. Um, okay. But it's it's only, frankly, it's only been in, like, uh, African-American film festivals and, like, stuff related to the medical stuff, which is... I'm glad that it got that far, but of course, if you make stuff that you want it to get a broader audience. Yeah, that's true. Because I've, I've heard yeah. a lot of people say that uh, the film should be required by all pre-med students to watch. And I completely agree with that because it's one of those films that you learn a lot about sickle cell and, you know, how to treat patients and what they go through. So you have that general knowledge going in when you deal with someone. So uh, what's your thoughts on that? Have you decided to push for that? Well, right now, one of the things that I'm happy about is that it is out there um, and so that people can see it. And there's quite a few times people still reach out to me and ask if they can use for some program or for some 
set of circumstances? And, and my answer is always yes. Um, because of course, if the thing has an opportunity to, to kind of impact somebody's care or, or an opportunity to kind of like, uh, shift somebody's perspective, holy cow, I'm all for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so the fact that it has that opportunity to do something good is fantastic. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I finished the film, gosh, it's been like four years now, four years ago, um, maybe even more, a little bit. And I haven't really, this is the first conversation I've had about the movie in quite a while, you know. Um, I, I, I still get emails and such about it, like kind of requesting, but I haven't pushed for any, hey, this should be part of your curriculum, whatever. I've had people request that they can use it as part of their curriculum, and I say go for it. Okay. And I think anyone who's listening and wants to know more about Sickle Cell, I definitely think it's, it's one of those that they should watch. Uh, the movie gave me goosebumps, and I live with Sickle Cell myself. And just seeing the, yeah. the different perspective and being outside of that to really, you know, change my thoughts on things and made me push and continue to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, and I also brought family to this film festival, and they seen it, and they brought back memories with them. So it was it was a very touching film all around. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate it. But it's also, you know, it's also, I mean, you know, this is the thing about hospitals and care and stuff that, that actually really struck me because my dad ended up being in the hospital for six months with pan- pancreatitis, like really, really bad. And, and I just remember after he'd been in there for a while and like how the nurses and stuff were starting to treat him. My dad's pretty manly fella. You know what I mean? Like blue collar guy, pretty tough. And I just like, I see the nurses kind of talking to him and like, like this kind of dismissive way because he, he, you know, at that point you're not at your best. And it just, it just kind of made me realize like how important it is. I think if you're somebody that's giving care that you understand that like you're seeing this person at their worst, this is like one tiny slice of their life story and you can't make a judgment based on that, which maybe sounds a little after school special, but I, of course, I think that's especially true with the sickle cell community because that. It hurts, <laughs> you, know, you know, and 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 it's the thing about it, right? It's an invisible thing that people can't see. There's there's no open wound, so you know, and and of course, the racial component, which I was completely ignorant of until I really dove into this movie with Omar. So it's there's just so many factors about it. There are certain people where I'm wondering, like, why did you ever get into care? Like, what did you think this was gonna be? Yes, nurses should have that compassion for anybody, like. I've been told, just going through nursing school myself, mm. you know, but I've been told by teachers that you don't get to pick your patients. It's one of the lessons you learn. And so for them to to bring their judgments into the work, it's really what affects patients. And it's, it's a way we have to get around that stigma. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to say, too, because like one of the things Omar always used to say is that is that he doesn't want them the good care he's received to be overshadowed by the bad because there's a lot of care that he's gotten from a lot of people that he's very very thankful for but i've been with omar once and this was at the sickle cell clinic here at grady where there was a young there was a young doctor there and he was like omar went there we went there because it was like 11 30 at night because omar just wanted to get hydration and i took him there and this doctor who's a younger fella started telling Omar about what he should expect and everything and kind of walking him through the process and and Omar was being so polite <laughs> to this guy and I wanted Omar be polite like why are you listening to this dude like, excuse me sir you seem like a nice guy but like I know this drill so I was just always like taken by 
by that, like how gracious he was under those kinds of situations. And meanwhile, he's in pretty bad pain and still holding space to be polite to this guy who's telling Omar stuff he already knows. I mean, right, what happens if you're dealing with chronic pain your whole life? You probably get better and better at managing it. You know, so that's 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 the other thing that's a bummer about the stigma cycle. That's true. And you're able to wear a different mask, too, when you go right. in to get through it, to get what you need done. So you mentioned the film. Were there any other challenges you made? Like, I know this film is showing him in his most vulnerable part. Were there any times that he just didn't want to record because of that? He was just too sick or just he just didn't feel like it because or did you set time aside to record? You know what, man, and it's a testament to Omar because he just kind of gave me full access. But it's one of the things that we we talked about a lot, especially when we were done with the movie, is that like a thing happens if you're making a film. And if you've got in the context of making the film, you've got your subject in the room, you want you want powerful footage, you want good footage. Yeah. But there's a push-pull there because while that's what I wanted, it was also like, holy, God, I don't want to cuss, but holy cow, my, my, my friends in a, in a lot of pain and I want to put this camera down and do what I can to help him and for Omar it was tough because sometimes he's like oh man I'd love to just hang out and talk with my friend right now because my friend's here but right now my friend is invisible because he's behind the camera you know so it was like a tough dynamic for us to manage and there'd be times too where like Omar and I would just be hanging out and just having a regular conversation where there's no camera equipment anything and he would say like some sound bite that was amazing and I'd be like ah like why don't you say that when the camera's here you know like like stuff like yeah. that would happen <laughs> relatively often you know so I, like part of us both of us I think were relieved when the thing was done just because we could kind of take that piece of it off the table okay you didn't get back to normal like you know yeah. routine. Hey, just, just get just, back, and... back to being friends okay. yeah yeah, definitely understand. It, it definitely takes tremendous strength and courage to mess someone in your world like that. You know, no one's comfortable showing that vulnerable side or going to the hospital and when you deal right. with this, but then to be recorded is it, something else. So um, what advice would you give people in general who want to make a film or a documentary? Well, I think, man, it's a pretty loaded question. It depends on what you're obviously looking to accomplish. Like, obviously... Just know that it's a lot of work and do whatever you can to simplify your story. It's really easy, I think, to get overzealous and have all of these threads, all of these threads, all of these threads to follow. Um, but at a certain point, you just have to like, ooh, you just have to know what the story is and you've got to go all in on that story. You'll actually notice spilled milk. We don't even talk about medical coverage or any of the finances related with insurance and anything else in terms of care received because it was just like wow that's just a can of worms that is very difficult to acknowledge and not go all the way into so that's one of the things where it's like you just have to keep it simple if I'm being really real it's good to find somebody who's done it before I worked with an editor on the film uh, that I found in San Diego and he edited a couple documentaries and he had such an impact on it in terms of helping shape certain things that I just wasn't seeing because I was so close to it. So that's another thing I would say. It's super helpful to find somebody who's not so close to it. And for me, I was doubly close to it because not only was I close to the movie, but I'm close to the guy that's in it. And I'm also kind of a part of it. Which, by the way, like Omar insisted on that. Like, he wanted me to be a part of the story. He didn't want 
to be in the thing by himself. Yeah. Which was both good and bad. So yeah, that's the point. Just try to get like some perspective. And it's such a cliche, but I'll say it. Kill your darlings. I remember there was this one beat between me and Omar at the kitchen table. I tried every damn which way to fit that thing into the film because I loved the moment. But every place I put it, it just it just felt wrong. And I finally had to be like, okay, this is why that phrase exists. This has got to stay on the cutting room floor. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And you mentioned Spill Milk. How did you guys come up with the name of that, the, the title? Or is there a meaning behind it? Yeah, Omar and I kind of came up with that title together. It was the idea. A little bit of this is actually in the movie. But Omar was one of my best friends of all time. Um, such a huge part of who I am and who I've become. And I think about some Omarism every day. He's like built into me. Um, but still, even as when I was younger, I found myself wondering like, hey, how far or, or how much more successful or how much frankly better would Omar be if he didn't have this disease? Which was a really lame way of looking at it because he was already all of these things to me and for many. Um, so we were like, well, spilled milk. Why are we crying over spilled milk? It is what it is. Yeah, that's how we got there. A lot of people are okay. like, what does that even mean? Yeah, so, yeah, and we also didn't want to, like, we didn't want to call it, like, something like sickle cell crisis. We didn't want it to be just that. Okay. And I, I want to acknowledge Omar for a minute also because, his, sadly, he passed away this April, April 27th. That's right. So, um, yeah, I just want to admire his strength and courage, and he fought, lived, and, you know, battled with sickle cell and sadly he passed away but his legacy will live on with this film yeah. yeah you know i'm thankful for that what i really hope for this is selfishly as as his friend like you know and you know this because you're dealing with a version of it yourself like you yeah. are way more than your disease and i really hope i hope this film will continue to show people just like how good of a dude this dude was you know uh-huh. so yeah that's uh, honestly, it's the first time I've actually really talked about this since he passed, and it's been such a crazy time, and to say the least, yeah. it, wow, have I missed him during this stretch of insanity. Uh-huh. What have you learned from him? Like, what's something he taught you? Or just looking at his battles, is there anything you didn't know that he went through, or anything you knew, learned new about him? Well, you know, it's not that I learned anything new, it just it just made it more real. Because it was easy when we were in high school or in college or, or when we're growing up, like that he would just go away for a while and then he'd come back. And typically while he'd go away, I'd go visit him once or twice, but, but then he'd come back and everything would go back to normal. But, but the thing, the thing that makes it really real is if you're in there with him for the two weeks or whatever, you know? So even though I had an idea of what he was going through, I didn't have to sit there and be on the front row of it while he was going through it. You know, I could kind of yeah. clock out and, and then edit him back in later. So it just, of course, gave me a different sort of appreciation for it. And then Omar, one of the things he always used to say is like, I can be me, I just can't see me. Because Omar could deal with the pain, but he hated seeing people look at him the way people would look at him when he was in that kind of pain. Yeah. Yeah, so so that I feel like that's such a powerful sentiment too. So yeah, I just took for granted that like, wow, two weeks is still two weeks. And yeah. he's, he's just stuck in that note for that long, sometimes longer. His last years were not great. He, of course, had the hip issues and then 
a hip replacement went way wrong. So he's mostly in bed the last couple of years. And I'd go visit him and we'd still have great visits. But I'd just be thinking, like, man, this is no way to live. So, right. you know. And like you said, you two formed a very uh, close bond. You got to know him all the, over the years. What do you think mm. he would say uh, or want people to know or any words of advice for those living with sickle cell? Just off the hand. Sam. I think, I think one that he learned a little bit later is that, uh, you know, you're not alone. Like Omar in the movie, but like Omar used to like actively avoid other people with sickle cell because he said he found them depressing. And I think later on, like Lauren, who's in the movie and I'm still in touch with him, like he found a really nice community there with uh, Dr. O here in Atlanta. Um, and those guys all really had each other's backs and we checked up on each other. So I, th- I think I think say something about like that, like how you don't have to go alone. Okay, yeah, that's powerful um, right there. Yeah, because a lot of people do think they're in this fight alone, which is you know the reason why I also created this show just to give people another perspective and opportunity to see. Even though you have this illness, you can still strive and and do things, and you can hear other story and have motivation to look forward to and understanding that you, you're not alone. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, lastly, before we go, where can I see the film again? Uh, you go to spilledmilkmovie.com. There's a link uh, right there at the top. You can watch it for free. And uh, it's like 83 minutes long, something like that, if memory serves. Okay. All right. Well, Jakaya, thank you for coming on the show today, sharing your insights about the film, filmmaking, Speaking on sickle cell and your relationship with Omar, definitely thanks for putting the film out. I believe believe it can change a lot of things and hope that it changes a lot of perspective in the medical field with treatment. And continue, I'll continue to push that film and get behind that film because it's one that everyone should see. I I really appreciate it. By the way, though, I mean you you got bragging rights too because you actually wrote that book. You wrote the book. You wrote a book. So <laughs> yes. you should be interviewing yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like and the thing is, about it is it's kind of like the movie is like could be a version of the book pretty much because yeah. the similarities and I didn't want to I was very it's a very vulnerable position for me so I didn't want to you know feel myself but I did want to talk about things and let others know and I I try to be as real as possible when it came with the came to the book so that people knew what I was going through and knew the whole story of sickle cell and what someone might face so it's, it's definitely um a good a good correlation between the both of am I am I allowed to ask you a question yes you can okay I was just curious if like as you go through the process of writing the book was there any big epiphany or any big learning that you realized as as you put some of this stuff to you know down on paper Something that you didn't necessarily know innately going in that you knew after about my battle with sickle cell, or just in well, just just in general. If there was just anything, any any epiphany or realization you had while you were writing the book that maybe you wouldn't have had without writing it, I'm just curious. Well, it it just gave me an understanding of um about being more open with it. I, I realized how how closed off I was to people after I wrote it. I realized that things could have been a lot different had opened up and I also realized that people were there to help me so that's the one thing I noticed that's that's interesting and pretty powerful no that's that's yeah. cool well, I, I I commend you for taking the, the time to actually do that that's 
That's amazing. I honestly would have loved to have read Omar's book. Let me tell you. Yeah, that's that's interesting. He was a writer too, so he probably you know helped out with the the writing in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he he definitely had some opinions. Yeah. So, but I like honestly, he was spectacularly trusting to put it all in my hand. I'll tell you. I know you said we're about to wrap up, but I'll tell you one of the scariest days of my life is the first day I showed that movie to Omar and his entire family. We all sat in the living room, watched that movie together. I'm like, whoo, it's very scary. Because, you know, not it's, Omar wasn't always painted in the most lovely light. He's painted in an honest one. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And between all of that, you could still find humor in the story. And it was very funny, too. That that was good. Well, that, that was me and Omar. We were a couple of goofballs, man. That, that was part yeah, of it. Was, I Even can, when I we're talking about heavy good. stuff, you got to have some fun with it. You do. Like they say, you can't take yourself too seriously. That's right. And I've definitely seen the, um, the bond you two had. Yeah. But again, thanks for coming on. Thank you very much, James, again, for inviting me to be a part of this. All right. Have a good one. All right. You too. Yep. All right, everybody. That was special guest, Jakai, and I'm your host, James Ace. Make sure you stay tuned for more episodes to come. And also, this show was dedicated to Omar Beach, writer, actor, advocate, sickle cell warrior.